Welcome to On The Verge. This podcast will highlight interviews from entrepreneurs, musicians, and professional golfers. It will center around what tools they have used to help them reach their dreams, how they use golf to further their career, whether it be for escape from the rigors of their profession or to build more business, and how the communitas of wine, music, and golf enrich their lives. This is all about the enjoyment of life, rising above the struggles, and stretching past the best to be better every day. On The Verge. On The Verge is presented by Cure, cannabis used for research and education. The medical industry is steadfastly looking to help millions of patients that suffer from injuries related to repetitive motion, sports, trauma, and many other orthopedic injuries, as well as skin disorders, mental disorders, cancer, and osteoporosis, to name only a few of the other underlying conditions that billions suffer from each day. On average in this country, we have 10,000 people turning 65 every day. With the cost of pharmaceutical medicines increasing, patients deserve natural alternatives that are not only more cost-effective, but also safer for them and society. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing a therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you. Or check out their website at www.curemich.com. Cure. Cannabis used for research and education. Welcome to On The Verge. Today's special guest is uh, really one of my all-time favorite people. He's done something that I've never seen done before, and I wanted to bring him on for a long time. But he's a busy man, (laughs) but we figured out a way to get him in from Kessner Wellness. Jason Kessner, how are you today, buddy? I'm fabulous. I appreciate you having me on here. Well, I'm honored to have you on here. One of the things I'm most interested in is that I'm a big believer in chiropractic care, which is a major piece to what it is that you, you do at your facility. But you do it in what I call a Rolls Royce style. This is not your normal walk in, wait in the office, come in, lay down on the table, crack your neck, crack your back, crack your hip, pat you on the butt, and send you out the door. Yeah, yeah. It's a very detailed, soup to nuts, A to Z mm-hmm. process that I was so unfamiliar with that I was like, the first time I went to your place, I was like, wow. Yeah. This is Rolls Royce. Where did you get the business plan in your head that it would, could be something different than what is considered customary chiropractic care. Mm-hmm. Well, my father was a chiropractor and, um, you know, he was a great guy. I mean, I, you know, he's one of my, definitely one of my heroes, but he had more of a pain based clinic. Um, you know, made, you know, he, the, the principle of chiropractic, the principle of how the body heals, he really instilled in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm a very driven mentality. And when I first got out of school, I'm like, I've got this. I'll, I'm going to do this all on my own. And I realized real quick that uh, it's a lot harder than what I realized because, you know, school doesn't really prepare you for a bit for business, really. They they prepare you really on how to take a test pretty much, and that's it. I mean, I really didn't even – I'm fortunate that I could, already knew how to adjust because my dad was yeah. a great adjuster. Uh, but it was, it was mainly pain-based. So um, some just some – stuff happened in our my wife my wife's chiropractor as well um just some stuff happened in our lives where god kind of intervened and and we were just ran into some really you know big influential people in the industry that has had some extremely large wellness clinics so Mm -hmm. um we ended up 
uh, kind of with these guys, and um, we really bit the bullet. Um, they offered us to come tra- really kind of train in their clinic, and we, at, you know, it was kind of scary because at that moment in time, like we were being offered pennies to come work and we were like i don't even know if we can make this happen and you know we went down to orlando and the cost of living down there was insane and um we just went off faith and said we we can do this and we ate uh you know we were were getting 25 cent wings at chicken places (laughs) but it was you know it was one of those things where we knew that these guys um they had extremely successful practices practices and it's what we wanted uh in our practice when we first got out, I started working for a doc and it was mainly pain based and we were just both miserable. And, um, you know, we knew that we had to, you know, go out and seek and do something else. And, and we ran into these people and that's really what got us to where, you know, one of, one of the uh, mottos that they had was this isn't the, the shits Carlton, it's the Ritz Carlton. And I kind of took that on was that's what I want people to, I want, I want them to walk in my clinic. Number one, I want them to feel the warmth. But also, too, I want them to see that Ritz-Carlton effect. So mm-hmm. when we set out to open our clinic, we, you know, wanted to put all the processes and make sure everything and systems were in place um, because we we see a lot of patients. Yeah. Well, it's very impressive. I, I, I'm going to get back to that, uh, to the influencers in just a minute. But I, I think it's important. I'm a, when I have people on my podcast, I'm, I do, I try to bring in a, a wide range of topics some of them not that you're as like chiropractic care is as i don't want to call it taboo but this weird thing that was maybe 25 years Mm -hmm. ago but it still has a little bit of mystique to it like what are you doing here and most people don't recognize that although you you, your dad and the first place you worked were Mm pain-based which is what i would have originally thought you only go see a chiropractor when your back hurts or your neck hurts that's my mind but as I've gotten further down the rabbit hole of understanding the like how the body, how the body's immune system, digestive system, everything runs through the central nervous system, right? Right, and I was like, wow. So this is way deeper than three cracks and a slap on the bottom on the way out the door. Yeah, this is. Vi- Talk to us about the the nuances of the of, the, of the, what I would call the cool things, the mm-hmm. wellness pieces. Yeah, to chiropractic care especially in the world we live in today with covid being such the most dominant yeah. conversation piece talk up to uh, my listeners about the importance of chiropractic care to your immune system and your well-being not just pain-based yeah well it's uh, you know ironically enough when all this covid stuff happened the um you know we're governed by a board uh, mm-hmm. chiropractic is um and one of the big things that they start when covid hit was you cannot tell your patients that through chiropractic care that it that this will boost their immune system that you know that was governed so when the state lady came in uh you know we we got a complaint um i sat her down i said this is what i tell each and every single new patient that walks in my door is that we do not heal treat nor cure disease that's not what we do that's not what we're about so I'm, you know, I'm sitting here educating this lady, basically. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, well, what do you do? And I said, well, we talk to our patients about how divinely awesome God has made the body. The brain is what controls everything. You know, um, you know again, most people, and that's okay because chiropractic, we've done that. We've taught people and we've really marketed to pain because that's why most people usually go. 
So what we talk about is, is are the nerves that exit the spinal cord. Most people do not realize that only five to 6% of the nerves of that nerve, that single nerve is for pain. The other 95% is for organs, cells, tissues, and systems of the body. Okay. Wow. With, with chiropractic and what we do, we do what's called corrective care. And I, I know, you know, you and I had talked about, you, you know, you, you'd really never seen that before. Yes. And what we focus on is not only getting our patients out of pain, but we take pressure off the nerves that supply their organs so the brain can send that mental impulse down the spinal cord out that nerve to tell the body just really how to function at a higher level. Yeah. Um, you know, people don't think about well, you cut your arm. Well, what heals that cut? Well, that's your brain sending that mental impulse down the spinal cord out that nerve to the largest largest organ in the body to tell it how to clot. And it does that until that that tissue is completely new. And that's a process we don't think about. You know, yeah. you get that cut, it starts to clot, you you and then you end up with a scab and then eventually it turns into normal skin, skin again, right? That's right. And it's not whether or not it's getting the impulse, it's the firing and how fast that happens. So that's what we do. We do what's called, you know, spinal correction and not nothing against any other chiropractors. I love all chiropractors. Well, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, most of them. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, what we do is corrective care. And when I was teaching and coaching, um, you know, other chiropractors, corrective care, one of the things I would talk to them about, I said, hey, are you able to show your patients how you can visually make that change happen? And I feel like one of our huge selling points is, you know, when our patients come in the door, I, we can visually show them how that change because we take pre and post x-rays. Yeah. But the cool part too is, is that we can literally show them the things that they can do because a knock that chiropractors get is once you start going, you always have to keep going. keep going. And there's a little bit to that because what creates disease in the body, what creates spinal misalignments, there's three major causes. It's physical, mental, and chemical stress. And that's around us daily. Yeah. Could we all live in a bubble? That's what they're trying to do to us, force us into our homes to do that. Mm-hmm. But we've got, you know internal toxins in our homes i mean you're safer honestly probably being outside than you actually are in your home at at this point in time yeah so true yeah that to me uh, that's the part that that's why i wanted to have you on this podcast is because i don't believe that many people know that it's not pain only Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to know what it is that you're doing and knowing how and obviously I see the amount of people that you're that go through there and how much wellness you're providing this community and me not knowing the true 100% nuances of your business outside of pain based mm-hmm. and I think many people are struggling emotionally mentally and physically in this moment cuz it's well we've never seen anything like this yeah. there might be what two people on earth 10 people on earth that were here during the the Spanish flu of 1918? Yeah. yeah. So nobody, I mean, if we have 10 people on earth that have the experience of going through that, they probably don't remember it anyway because yeah. they were probably one. Right. You know, or two. So we don't know what we're doing, yeah, so to speak. But yet, one of the things that has irritated me, and partly that's, I think this is coming to a head mm-hmm. because right. the chaos that our media is, providing the the public is so atrocious and so not news it's an agenda Mm -hmm. that it irritates me to death but one of the things that fries me 
that not only are they not doing, but the people that are the sheep that are taking in the information aren't willing to step back and think, wait a second, instead of shoving fear down my throat that I need to be concerned about this virus, and I'm not discounting that this is a serious situation. It is a serious situation. Mm -hmm. But why are we not talking about things that keep you healthy instead of scaring you into being sick? Absolutely. It, it just blows my mind. So I've probably had six or seven podcasts where I bring people in to talk about, in their expertise, things that we can do to keep our immune system and our we- mental well-being, two of the biggest issues that we got going right now, the depression and suicide yeah. piece and the, the just the pure health mm-hmm. of our society, which is probably on the closer to the side of poor than good. Yeah. Is that, yeah. a fair, is that a fair and accurate statement? Absolutely. Absolutely. What would be your message that you think is important for everybody to understand about what it takes to, on your side of the street, so to speak, how to be as healthy and as your immune system as strong as we could have it? What yeah. are the keys? Well, I mean, you know, we, what you're putting in your body is so key um, because, I mean, you know, we're, it, I, I don't know the exact percentages, but I, I feel like a majority of the population had has gut issues and we know that about 70 percent of your immune system is in your digestive system so what you're putting in your body is so key because i mean i know you've heard a leaky gut mm-hmm. um you, you, and that you know when you have leaky gut i mean that's that's going that's directly anything you put in your body is directly crossing the blood-brain barrier so anything that we put in there that's that's not that's toxicity that's going to lead to inflammation in the body it that's going to decrease the immune response so the things that we can think about obviously putting in our body chemical wise you know we want to eat as clean as possible and think about those those foods that are going to boost our immune system you know the media nobody's talking about vitamin d and and k and how that uh, boosts the immune system they're not talking about vitamin c right now they're not talking about zinc yeah um you know they just they i don't i don't understand why they don't talk about it because they know that those are it's science has proven that that's you know immune system builders um you know i i have my ideas and my skepticism on why you know they're they don't talk about these things mm-hmm. um but I, there's just you know getting outside and g- getting in the sun you know going for a hike you know that's just mental clarity that's all going to help the body and deep you know we talked about those three things the physical mental and chemical stressors mm-hmm. You know, going for walks or exercising, all those all those are the things that's going to help really just help our body function at a higher level. Increasing your water intake. Most people are dehydrated. You know, our bodies need you know about seven. Our bodies are about seventy percent water, and you know your body needs it. Your cells need it to flush toxicity. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, my rule of thumb for most people is drink about half your body weight in ounces. In ounces, yeah. 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 What's the what's the appropriate amount? Because I've seen, you have to dig. Mm-hmm. It's not obvious. You have to dig, but you can find the importance of zinc, vitamin D, vitamin K. Um, what's the appropriate amount of vitamin D? And like I will start with vitamin D because I yep. know that that plays a huge role. Mm-hmm. There are some people that like that first four or five days to get like a hundred IU's yep. per pound mm-hmm. that you have in you for like three or four days to like blast it yeah but what is the like what do you like to see in your vitamin d counts well i mean that's that's an awesome question one of the things that i think is so important is that and that a lot of doctors don't do is is you know we kind of have a motto is 
don't guess test. So, you know, testing to see where your, your levels are at. And we do blood work in our office. Um, I know that kind of sounds weird for a chiropractic clinic, but, you know, we're, we're on the, you know, we, we really focus on wellness, right? Mm-hmm. And I was correction for many, many years in that, and that's solely what I did, and that's all I focused on. But what I finally realized was that the body works as a whole, and the organs affects the nervous system. So I always give this example, liquor, for instance, if we drink a lot of liquor, if we drink too much, right, you're going to damage your liver. Well, that affects the nervous system. So you get this viscerosomatic response. I don't want to get on these technical terms, yeah. but then you get a somatoviscero response. In other words, bone affects organ and then organ can affect the bone and the alignment of that bone. Oh, wow. Okay. So what I finally realized was, was we've got to focus on the body as a whole. So that's when we got into the testing. Um, you know, there's a chart. It's a if you just look up the vitamin D chart, it gives you like rickets, for instance. I I, I want to say it was like I forget how many it it will uh, enough vitamin D the certain amount. I think it's like ten thousand will actually get rid of rickets. So wow. And they're telling us to take what five thousand a day or something like that. I think it is. Well, like the the place that I looked. Yeah. I took twenty thousand IU's for four straight days. Yeah. And now I'm down to ten. Yeah. And I'm staying at 10 mm-hmm. uh, constantly. Yeah. And I notice not only, I feel like I feel better in my spirits. Yeah. Like I don't get as tired and my, my mental clarity is a little higher. And I've only done that now. I mean, I've always been a vitamin D taker, but mm-hmm. I've always taken like 1,000, 2,000 or 5,000 IUs. Yeah. Not like what they're prescribing, especially to keep my immune system yeah. up because I'm around people all the time. Yeah. And I believe that... I know it's a serious disease, and I know that I can get in, and I, know I could die from it. Yeah. But I have, knock on wood, <laughs> I missed three days of school my entire life. Right. And that was from chicken pox when I was in kindergarten. Yeah. I didn't miss a day of school from first grade till I graduated from college because I was sick. I've never missed a day at work because I'm sick. Yep. So I know that my immune system currently, knock on wood, yeah. twice, is, has always been strong. Yeah. So I don't take the flu shot. I don't. I'm not into that stuff. I don't worry like that. Mm-hmm. But I also know that I don't take it for granted. I, I fuel my immune system yep. as much as I can. So uh, to me, I just wanted to, like, I, I want to do my part. Right. If 4,000 people listen to this, but it impacts them, then I did my part to help people be healthier and safer in this pretty bizarre time. Yeah. And I think that that's, that goes without saying. Yeah. Talk to us about the other three, vitamin C. The, your, you almost can't even OD on vitamin C because right. your body just gets rid of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you have any preferred amounts of vitamin C you like to see people intake a day? You know, <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but when, like when I'm sick, um, or, or, which it ha- happens, you know, it's very rare, um, I will almost take enough to where it, you know, I'm starting to really flush. When I say flush, you know, I'm on yeah. the toilet, right? Yeah. Um, I know at that point that that's, you know, that's a good amount, especially when you're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but on a, on a daily, you know, I go, I, I kind of go by the bottle and I, I go based on what, you know, that, that says, and that's, uh-huh. you know, I feel like that's enough. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that you, you brought up was, you know, I want to, I want to touch on this is fear. Yeah. Um, I feel like, and I know this sounds a little cold, but we talk about the mental component, and we're we're at a time right now when the media is just driving this fear, fear, fear thing. Well, 
stress is a, is is a big leading cause of disease. Yeah. And again, not to be cold, but I think a lot of people need to come to the realization of that we've got a begin date and we've got an end date. You do like you for instance, you do everything that you can during that time. Yeah, let's stay safe. Let's do the things that we need to do during that time, but don't be so stinking scared that you're going to die if you get this COVID. Um, we know that the the death rate is extremely low. You talked about nineteen eighteen. I want. I, th- I feel like I read something that at that back then there was like two hundred million deaths. How many deaths have been to COVID? I think we're around over the two million I think mark. A little over two million. Now. Two million mark. And I'm not saying like. Listen, my grandmother, she passed during this process. Now some could argue that she died due to COVID. She had stage four cancer. She was bleeding internally. Uh-huh. They told her if she gets to the hospital that she could get a transfusion and she would live longer. But she didn't want to go to the hospital. She didn't want to go there and be by herself. Yeah. So some could argue that, that you know, she died of COVID. Yeah. But, you know, these numbers, they're just way off. And I think to get back to is just the fear factor is not, not being so fearful of this. Yeah, I think the, well, the final piece on this part of the program that matters to me is that I really believe – that way too many people, and I'm talking a radically high percentage, like way above 50% mm-hmm. of the people out there are no longer thinking for themselves. They're asking their device to think mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. They're looking to social media and the news, which I'm not quite sure how separate they are anymore. <laughs> um, they're looking for their opinion so that they don't have to think. Yeah. And of all the things that I think that I'm recognizing from what I'd call my childhood, 1980-ish to now, is there's been a slowly weaning off of personal responsibility for your own outcome and rely on other people to do it for you. I will do all the information seeking and we'll tell you what you need to know. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that how do they know what you need to know? You should be investigating your own life. Amen, yeah. And I don't think people are doing that. And I think that's how we got into this political problem that we have. People aren't, they don't understand politics, so they're just going to listen to what this guy has to say because he's doing all the work for me. Yeah. But they don't think. Mm -hmm. They're not taking the time to like, wait a second, what's really important for me and my family, one, what's important for my community, two, what's important for my state, three, Mm -hmm. and what's important for this country, four. Yeah. Because, and I learned this recently in a podcast from a very well-spoken gentleman. He said... The president of the United States is not going to impact your life nearly as much as your mayor and your governor will. Mm -hmm. But nobody wants to pay attention to their local politics. They don't want to pay attention to the national politics. The president doesn't impact your life nearly as much as people think. Mm -hmm. But you got to pay close attention to what's going on around you. Yeah. And I'm like, that woke me up. I was here talking about take control of your own life. I have never investigated local government in my entire life. And that's on me. And I'm like, that's changing. Yeah. But I, I just think that people have to take responsibility for themselves yeah. and stop relying on others. And things will start to change from there because people start to add. Like people don't realize that they actually have a choice of a lot of things. Yeah. They go, we're not allowed to do that. All right. Says who? Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, just come on. Take control of your life. I may say something that's a little controversial here, but one of my friends who's a nurse, she 
you know, here social media. She's mm-hmm. on there and she talks. She started talking about the mask, and she didn't. You know, she just doesn't agree with the mask. Um, this other person comes on and, and says, "Well, you know, I would not want you as my nurse." And I finally kind of commented, "I'd never do this," but you know, I know I'm your doctor, but if I wasn't a doctor, so the comment that I made was, is your health my responsibility? No, your health is your responsibility, right? Yeah. So we've got to do in research, you know, I'll have patients come in and some of the questions they'll ask me, I'm like, you know, and I know they're looking for that direct answer from me. I'm like, well, have you, have you done any research? Have you looked into that? Because an educated mind, you can't take that away. Yep. So I think it's so key and so vital is, you know, research, look into the things that you can do for yourself because, you know, once you have that information, you never lose it. That's right. When you, now I want to head back toward your, how you got to the the wellness center Mm -hmm. that you have, who were the people that were intimately involved in helping you and your wife take this pain-based model Mm -hmm. into a wellness-based factory, so to speak, sure. in, a, in a good way. Unbelievable. Who were the people that made that vision clear to you that that's actually the, be- the best way, but it's you're making a bigger impact that way too? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, my, my father who instilled the philosophy of how amazing the body is, mm-hmm. that came from him. Again, he was more pain-based, but the philosophy of how amazing the body is and that healing power and just having such great faith in that the body can heal. Listen, in the U.S., uh, you know, nothing against the medical system, but we have a sick care system. When it comes to the medical world, listen, they are fabulous. I would not want to be in any other country in the world when it comes to an emergency situation. If I break my arm or if I end up in a car accident, take me to the emergency room. But when it comes to wellness and helping people get well, I mean, what do meds do, Right. They're covering up symptoms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back to your question, you know, the, the, I, I got to a point, my wife, by the way, she's valedictorian of her class. <laughs> I wasn't, I'm going to be completely honest. I, from test taking, I was the worst test taker. In chiropractic college, you have four tests, serious tests you got to take. Chiropractic school is a little easier to get into, but it's hard to get out of. Oh, wow. It's super hard to get out of. They, they have these four tests that you have to take. Well, the first three are written. Well, listen, the first three, I took each and every single one of those three times a piece. Wow. Lots of money, right? Yeah. The fourth one was all practical, and I I whizzed right through that. But I say that because another person in my life was my wife that, um, you know, she gave me this. It was called Never Never Give Up. And that, that mentality of just never giving up is what pushed me to where I'm at today. So, you know, she was that impact in my life that, that, you know, pushed me to that point to get me, help me get there. Yeah. So between my father, her and Christ, obviously, yeah. um, you know, those are the people that really impacted me to strive to want to help others and, and have this driven practice like we have. Yeah. So what's the goal for like the next 10 years? Where do you see Kestron Wellness in 2030? Yeah, so <laughs> interesting. Um, it's funny, I, we coach and help a lot of doctors, and I said, you know, you, you never know, you don't ever say you're never going to, not going to do something, or you you feel like you're going to be stuck in that one spot. I thought I would just have this one practice, and that was going to be all good and great, um, but we're going to start expanding now. Um, we're, we're looking into Dixon, we're looking into Knoxville, Johnson City, and some other places, mm-hmm. so... 
um, we, we, we feel like we need to take our model and, and, and expand it and get it to these other cities. Do you do market research for that, like where you'd want to go? Or do you go population-based? Or do you just go strictly based off of competition and or what looks like a, an opportunity? Yeah, definitely not competition. I mean, that's not I – don't, I don't want to um, – I, I don't look at any other chiropractor in the area as competition, and I don't know that they – I don't think a lot of us do that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's just a need. There's not a huge percentage of the population – I mean, it's a, it's not an enormous percent of the population that go to chiropractors, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, back when I did my research years ago, only 2% of the population were seeing chiropractors. Wow. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Um, there There's some great software. You know, um, somebody once told me um, Burger King – uh, McDonald's spends like millions upon millions of dollars a year in research on where to put McDonald's. Well, Burger King does zero. Burger King opens up where McDonald's opens up. <laughs> so there, yes. but there, there's this. So we we look at this. There's this software. My my buddy um, who I'm kind of getting in business with. He's another chiropractor. He has this software that he pays for that that kind of looks at certain areas and looks at demographics and things like that. So uh-huh. we yeah we do look at demographics uh-huh. and. Um, you know, so we, that is some of the stuff we look at. Yeah. What I meant by competition and, and that yeah. it was the fact that if you know that a certain city has 40 yeah. chiropractic care centers mm-hmm. in it, maybe that's, we'll call that Brentwood. Yeah. Okay. That seems to be, if you factor in the percentage yeah. of people that do chiropractic care and the amount of chiropractors that are there, you're like, okay, that place is pretty maxed out. Dixon, on the other hand, a growing yeah. community not as many chiropractors you're like mm, yeah there's a that's a good place rent's going to go a little bit cheaper yeah be able to get more for my buck i don't yep. have as there's probably an abundance of clients that are looking for something like this right and there's not many of me out there right that's what i was intrigued because i don't know those things but i know that starbucks and mcdonald's are two businesses that do heavy heavy, heavy. research yep. on where they're going to put their franchises because they don't ever want one to close right not that anybody ever does but yeah they're radically successful mcdonald's and starbucks for longevity yeah and you know obviously starbucks doesn't have that many things that are not good for your health yeah mcdonald's does right but it's super quick and super you know painless yep. to get in and out of there in two minutes with food for everybody right and as fast as our world is going, they've thrived in that model yeah. as good as anybody's ever has. Yeah. But I just, I was just wondering, like, what kind of research goes into yeah. selecting the place mm-hmm. and how much of the the de- the demand possibilities yep. overtook the cost of the facility opportunity. Sure. So it just it's interesting. The rent piece is obviously plays a role in the decision-making process. Well, what, and what drove us back to Tennessee, we, we are from East Tennessee. I was born in Wisconsin, but what drove us back to Tennessee, I, you know, we were looking at other states and, you know, Tennessee is one of the, the you know, one of the sickest uh, of all states. Um, you know, we, we, as far as opioids and, you know, medications and heart disease and all that obesity and all that. So, what drives me definitely to an area is what does that health look like? Mm-hmm. I want to get like that. Those people that are the, the least healthiest, that those are the ones we're after. We want to get them. I mean, we're after the ones that do want to prevent disease. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. But those ones that are in that disease state, we want to help them get out of that. Mm-hmm. I often refer to disease like, like your, like your, your money. 
Mm-hmm. We know that if we end up in poverty, that that's hard to come out of, right? But if you manage your money and you don't end up in poverty, right, that's a lot easier. Where your health is kind of the same way. If you manage your health, it's going to, you know, you're, you're not end up in that disease state. Because once you end up in that disease state, it's a lot harder to come out of. Yeah. So kind of that Dave Ramsey approach. And <coughs> yeah, good point. At. Yeah. Very good point. Well, I'd be rem- <coughs> excuse me. I'd be remiss to think that <coughs> all of these great stories were a straight shot from college all the way to the top without any difficulties and perseverance pieces. <coughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that'd be nice. What is the the one big story that shaped you in a way that you had to f- persevere through? That once you got to the other side of it, it steeled your resolve to know that you could make it through just about anything. What was that one thing? You know, I think it was um, like I, when when I was going through that testing. Um, there, uh, let me let me tell you two because it did change me personally in life. Mm-hmm. Number one, it was having confidence because those tests when I wasn't passing those, my wife was already two years in practice. I still had not. I was you know I was just running around the office doing all the office stuff. Um, the strong personality that I have that was hard on me. Um, but once I find it was, it was years later, I finally realized why I had to go through that, uh, that test taking and not passing in, in the confidence that I didn't have, it would, it affected me as a person. And then finally, once I got through it and then it took, it was, listen, it didn't happen right then as soon as I took that test, mm-hmm. I finally realized, wow, it, it wasn't that, that it wasn't that testing that not passing it that made me who I was but I finally realized like oh man I like you know I'm a strong person I got through that Mm -hmm. and I'm where I'm at today because of that and I'm grateful for that and and it was in God's timing and it was and once I got there it was that was his timing for me another time was when I'm in practice and you know I'm I'm kind of the CEO I'm I'm the head you know kind of the head of course my wife and I are both head doctors but As an owner, I was not the best owner. I was not a pleasant person to be around a couple years when we were first in practice. And we hired an employee that I wanted to take a lot of that quote-unquote kind of CEO role off as far as, you know, telling everybody what to do and being quote-unquote the dictator. Mm -hmm. And our practice really took a hard hit when I brought this person on board. And it started to plummet extremely quickly. And I stepped back. This person was there for about a year, the manager. And I realized that she was who I was in practice. And when I realized realized that, I go, that's not who I want to be. So that's when I really made that change of the type of office that I wanted to run. You know, our big, mo- our big thing with our employees is we want you to be happy. Because if you're happy, our staff's happy. They're happy to be there. That reflects on the patients. 100%. Nobody wants to work in a, in a place where, you know, the CEO is a jerk and, you know, that's driving them with a whip. I mean, yep. that's just not a good place to be. 100%. So, I don't know. I just realized those are the two things in my life, and it changed me personally as a person, and and it just has made me happier. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a really important thing because most people <clears> – <throat> When they find out that they don't have a gift, they're not gifted at something. Mm-hmm. They don't look at that as a possibility. 
they look at that as a deficit. Mm -hmm. You know, and you probably at one point looked at it as a deficit, and then all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, I have total choice and control over this. Yeah, and that's when you, and that's what I, that's what this whole this whole podcast is based around the ideas that we thought we had, yeah, and we realized that we have way more input. Or just understanding, do we have more or less input over an issue yeah. and not put too much energy in something you have no control over? Mm-hmm. Or don't think that you can't impact something because you can. Yeah. We're always just trying to find that balance because there are sometimes we put way too much energy in something we have no control over. Yeah. And we put no energy into things we have massive amounts of control over. Yeah. And they're trying to strike that balance and kind of turn the table a little bit can make a huge impact on people's lives well and to talk on that you know that that moment in time when that happened with that employee we in the state of tennessee it's a fire at will state i realized after about a year went by that our practice was tanking and i go i gotta do something about this and you know i'll talk to my lawyers because in the state of tennessee it's a fire at will state and however it's gray area if if a contract could be via email and this person went to that level and decided to sue us, and she was suing us for $400,000. And my wife, two years went by, we didn't hear a thing. Well, all of a sudden, here it comes. And she, you know, we it ends up in mediation, and, you know, we could have went to court. We would have won. My lawyer said that. But we had to end up, we decided to settle because it was going to cost more in lawyer fees and court fees. Mm-hmm. We settled 60000 out. And a lot of people would look at that as, that was really hard and that was difficult. I'd never want to go through that again. And I don't want to, mm-hmm. but I would pay that $60,000 again because of the life lesson that I got from yeah, that. That's I'm, the tax. It was great. Yeah. And I, I, I tell people this because I realized that's not the person that I That's the lesson that I had to have was that that's not the person that you are going to be anymore. So I look at that as a blessing and, yeah. and a great life lesson. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, the second half of the show is to figure out all the things that you do to recharge your batteries because we know it takes a lot of energy mm-hmm. to do what we do. Yeah. Okay. So historically speaking, and that's not going on right now, historically speaking, the things that fill people's cup and battery up are the like-mindedness that brings a lot of people together mm-hmm. in a, for something that they all love to do, you know, college football, NFL football, yeah. basketball, concerts, favorite bands, theater, plays, et cetera. Everybody goes to see Pearl Jam. There's 20,000 people in an arena there for the exact same reason, to be moved by the music of a legendary band. Yeah. To go to your favorite, where you went to college and go watch a college football game with 100,000 people going in the same direction. Right. It really fills people's cup up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are the things that you do to recharge your batteries, especially in a time right now in which... We're not going to football games, basketball games, and concerts. Yeah. What do you like to do to fill up your Yeah, cup? well, most recently, uh, one of the big things, and this is kind of how we met. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, here I am, 44 years old. I wish I would have started playing this a long time ago. But it was, it's golf was mm-hmm. one of them. Um, you know, just to be out there. Um, my wife loves being out, outdoors as well. She doesn't play golf. But get, just getting out there and being outside, that's, you know, that's one of the big things that recharges my battery. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, I, I know a lot of people get aggravated when they're playing golf. I, I don't understand that because it's just a, the joy of it. Mm-hmm. But another thing that my wife and I love to do is travel. Um, balance is so key. And, God, no kidding. You know, the first couple years of our practice, I, I have a calendar that I put on my wall uh, every single year. We just put the new one up this year. And 
when new docs come on, I show them my first couple years in practice and what that looked like. My wife and I nearly killed ourselves because we were going every single weekend. And I know that's probably what it takes to build a good practice and a business. But there was not a weekend we weren't doing something to get people in the door. But now, you know, we know that that balance and that recharge is so key. So traveling for us is so important because that does recharge our batteries. And I, now knowing what I know, being 15 years in practice, I am able to go recharge and actually give more and, and do more than it was than just putting my head down and charge, 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 charge. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to, like, I haven't had a great balance. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, when, when you're in an eat what you kill mm-hmm. scenario, mm-hmm. and every minute that you think about, well, I'm going to take this hour off and go hit some balls, or I'm going to go, yeah. I'm going to go do, and you're thinking, man, there's 300 bucks. I just threw that away. Yeah. And you start thinking about all the all the stuff that you throw away. You forget that you're investing in yourself, mm-hmm. taking personal time. Yeah. But my brain didn't have that. And I don't come from much. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I, I, we had, I never wanted for anything. But there was not anything like, mag- you know, not, not the word, but not magnificent, but like we never did a lot of for show things. We never yeah. went to really nice hotels or really nice places. Mm-hmm. We we had that we had a, we were budgeted and we went to the beaches and we had we had great times. But like I get a chance to do things I've never done when I was a kid. Yeah. So I think I maybe got swayed by income mm-hmm. and the ability to do things that I've never thought possible yeah and then you get addicted to those things and you find yourself in this hamster wheel sure of running as fast you can so that you can make enough to have a living have a family and do some cool things yeah and then you go do some cool things and you see how much it costs you're like i gotta get back on the hamster wheel yeah yeah and it's a self-perpetuating thing but if you do it with the right balance Mm mm-hmm which is what I'm I'm trying to implement into my life right now, yeah. probably in the last couple of years, is like I haven't done a good job of not teaching golf sure. at the right time. Because mm-hmm. I'm always thinking, I gotta get the money. Gotta yeah. get the money. Yeah. If somebody wants it, if I don't if I don't teach it, they're gonna go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's part of my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and I'm sure you feel the exact same way, but we have to learn through stubbornness. Yeah. That we have to take care of ourselves, or we're going to not be there. Yeah, you know, sooner Absolutely. or later. What are your favorite places to go? Well, Cabo, we we go there quite often. Um, my my wife's a big fan of the Caribbean as well. So mm-hmm. uh, our fortieth, we just took a really cool trip. Um, she just turned forty last year, and she wanted to hit a sailboat and so we hit three different islands we got on a catamaran had a captain it was just her and i and and this captain and oh, we, wow. we hit three yeah three different islands down the caribbean and it was just spectacular wow spectacular so yeah. what an all what a cool idea did yeah you, did you just google that is that what you did or do you, do you know some people that did you know it? ironically enough um this gal she was a patient of ours uh, she was a deckhand and i just kind of started talking to her about it and um i the, the the you think in your mind it's going to be super expensive and outrageous there's some really pretty good deals out there for the about the cost you can go to a pretty nice resort mm-hmm. you can you can do this we did did it 10 days um so she hooked us up with a captain that she knew um you rent the boat so you can just look at like mornings you can go to moorings.com uh, um not to give them a shout out per se but um anyways so we did that and uh it's cool because you you, wow. you do your provisions and you take kind of take the food that you want we cooked on the boat some but you can get off the island eat on the island uh-huh. um 
it was just cool. It was wow, really cool. what a cool idea. Yeah, it was Way fantastic. To go. Yeah, it was fantastic. Well, she deserves it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> she's had to put up. Listen, she's had to put up with me for so many years. I mean, I, you know, I hear that. <laughs> Bless I her hear heart. that. That's that's awesome. Yeah, look at I would because I can't wait to have her on here at some yeah. point too. Sure. Like those are the things that make others feel so appreciated and seen when obviously there's when you're in the middle of the trees mm-hmm. grinding out in the forest, so to speak. Yeah. On the day to. You know, neither of you are like reminding each other of how awesome you are. Yeah, all the time because yeah. you're, you're just in the middle of sure. a day. So, like, those are the appreci- the times to take appreciation mm-hmm. for others. And certainly, there's you know we got the birthdays and the holidays and the Valentine's Day. And some people hate Valentine's Day, but I I I even though I don't understand the actual history behind it, it doesn't make a difference to me. Sure, I love the forced break. Yeah. To take time to appreciate somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. We could probably use one every third week in this country right now. Yeah. But I mean, I'll agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah uh, we don't take enough time mm-hmm. to be grateful to all of those around us that make our life easier because we're so, everybody's so busy that we don't take time to reflect on how many awesome th- people contribute to the ease of our life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think that's important. So uh, sure. good on you. Uh, yeah, I wish. You know, I was, I was telling the, this young uh, young doc that we just hired. I was telling her yesterday. I said I would love because you know you see all this big tech stuff happening right now. I would love it if social media just completely went away. I know it's probably done a lot of great stuff, but I would be okay with it if it. You know, because I'm here. I am 44 years old. I I came up in a time business wise where there was no social media, and then boom, it all here it is. I don't know. I feel like it just has more negative ramifications than positive ramifications. I've made some great connections in mm-hmm. life, you know, if, through people in the past. But, you know, it, that personal connection, I feel like, is just mm-hmm. not theirs, you know. Yeah, I think what I've learned, and this is interesting. So Randy Woodward, a guy I did a podcast with maybe five weeks ago, he said, Virgil, when you look at social media, it's all about what you put into it. Yeah. I am in search of experts in the financial world. Mm-hmm. I've learned more through Twitter, yeah, and my contacts that I'm able to get to touch, talk with people in Thailand and Singapore, and I'm able to contact people that I would never be able to contact without this information, yeah. and they have immediately impacted my professional career. Mm-hmm. But most people aren't going onto social media with an agenda like I did. Yeah, I, they just go in there to connect with friends and get in a social. Yeah atmosphere and next thing you know there's where the those netflix series the social dilemma yeah kicks oh, in yeah, is that great. the the eye in the sky mm-hmm. is radically powerful over the the world yeah and the world has well there are some people that get it but the vast i think the 80 20 rule applies here 20 percent of the people are starting to recognize mm-hmm. wait a second I was sitting here having a conversation with a friend of mine going, talking about going to Colorado. I get on my phone, flip open Facebook, and I have three advertisements on Aspen, Beaver Creek, and Breckenridge. <laughs> How'd that happen? Right. And you don't really put it all together until it happens a couple of times and you watch Social Dilemma and you realize yeah. they're listening. They're listening. <laughs> and that's an important piece. Yeah. yeah. You're right. I think that social media could definitely go away, but it's fascinating it's going to not go away no. because the power, the good power of it mm-hmm. is as palpable as the negative. We just celebrate the negative when yeah. you're watching the news. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, 
that's an interesting piece for sure. We use it. I, you know, we do, I, we put a lot of wins. When I call them wins, it's patient testimonies and people that are, you know, just having life transformation. So we just that's what we dump on there. Just yeah. all the positivity that we can. Just keep dumping. Just keep yeah. dumping all that positivity. Because there's so much positive out there, right? And we're just not hearing about. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah. <clears throat> Favorite college football team. The Vols. Vols. It's, it's, it's hard to say it right now. I mean, 1998 is, and that's it, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> th- I mean, that's, it's so fascinating to me. College football is so. It's in the last 30 years. College football is really different. Yeah, it is very yeah. different. Yeah. You know, so there it hasn't been a program that ha- that would be considered a legendary program that hasn't had a precipitous fall. Mm-hmm since the scholarship world changed, I don't know if it was in the late seventies or early eighties, but it changed Mm -hmm. so that Alabama couldn't hoard 130 athletes and, and so that they didn't go to Georgia or, you know, Florida. Right. When that all changed, that was a big deal. Yeah. But like Alabama is on this unbelievable run. What a dynasty. And I've, I've been saying this for years. College sports are heavily impacted by the coach. Yeah. Professional sports is heavily impacted by the player. Yeah, I'm sure they're you know Red Auerbach and Phil Jackson and you know and you know Bill Belichick. Yeah, okay, they're great. Right, but I think we've seen it this year. How big is Bill Belichick without Tom Brady? I know. And yeah. look what Tom Brady's doing. To I a think team everybody that, everybody was like waiting to see what was going to happen. Let's right? see here. Yeah. Well, it sure looks like a 43 year old man played a pretty unbelievable football season. In a new town with new people in a new scheme. Yeah. Like he complained adamantly about the scheme. Yeah. But they're eleven and five and he threw forty four touchdown passes at forty three. Unreal. It's really unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So like but college is so about the coach and Nick Saban is Mm -hmm. certainly. Yeah. Well, you can't argue that he's he has the records now to say that he's the greatest college football coach of all time. Absolutely. He is on Mount Rushmore for sure. Yeah. 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 So I would have to say that the the first four coaches on the, on Mount Rushmore, it's Saban, Bear Bryant, Paterno, and Bobby Bowden. Absolutely, yep. And right there is four people who are, you know, obviously Nick Saban's younger than the other guys, not that much, but I mean younger for yeah. sure. But old school discipline has not left those that world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we don't see a lot of old school discipline. We're seeing the Bobby Knights and the Nick Sabans, and that they're being shushed out the door yeah. for the glamorous, and, and I mean this with sincerity, good, like Calipari. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Calipari is, it's all about, it's not about the like the discipline, it's about the players. Yeah. He's a player's coach. He makes it very comfortable mm-hmm. for the players. Now, yes, he's obviously challenging them in practice, yeah. but how he talks to them, he talks to them like Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. talks to a guest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He does not talk to them like a drill sergeant in the military. Yeah. When you're listening to Nick Saban talk, he has garnered the great ability to come down hard on you yeah. and make it feel like it's really important mm-hmm. for you to let get this lesson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He somehow makes you feel like you're so important, I have to tell you this. Yeah. And you don't feel like you just had your well. You probably feel like you've been yeah. chewed. Yeah. But it feels different because he makes you feel like he loves you. Well, and, and I want you. I want you to be better. Yeah. And I care about you. I want you to be better, right? 
And he does it with a, in a way that is, his way is becoming less and less and less visible and out there in the world period. And I think that that is... I think that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. Yeah. And once again, when the pendulum swings too far the other way, we start to see it come back the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, so when we see Bob Knight throwing chairs and Woody Hayes grabbing people by the face mask and twisting their head, and yeah. you know, we can't have that. Right, right, right. But we certainly can't have laissez-faire, you know, mm-hmm. prisoners ruling the jail. Yeah. You know? You know, it's funny because I, I had this conversation a while back. You know, our, our, our practice kind of went downhill. Jenny and I pulled out because we were, you know – doing trying to do some other stuff and i got you know i was talking about the the hard how hardcore i was at one point Uh well i went completely in the opposite direction i got so chill and just tried like i was just being the complete uh, you know just antithesis of that yeah i was completely opposite direction and i went oh this isn't good either so i had to find that balance come back to kind of a middle ground mm-hmm. to where if an employee messed up, you know, and I'm okay with mistakes. I'm okay with that. Let's just don't make them two and three times. Yeah. Let's get, let's find a solution, figure that out. But I got way too chill, way too lax. So now it's, it's coming back to and finding that middle ground of, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm the owner. I'm just, I know you messed up. Let's figure out what happened. Let's fix that. But if it keeps happening, that's when we got to snap down a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what it takes. That's what it takes. It really does. Yeah. yeah. F- favorite athlete when you were growing up? Uh, I'm, I'm, I know I'm kind of too young with this, but Muhammad Ali, like. Interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, cause my dad, we used to, we, my grandfather, my dad, uh, my uncle, we used to just sit around and watch boxing constantly. Really? Yeah. So, you know, we watched a lot of old, you know, Muhammad Ali, and then you know we got on on into like, you know, Foreman and just you know uh-huh. progressing. Sure, uh, Holyfield and Tyson, and you know, uh, yeah. So that probably Muhammad probably, Ali. My dad loved Muhammad Ali. Yeah, my, one of my earliest memories though is the the third fight between Frazier and Ali. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, like yeah. that's nineteen eighty, I think, or eighty one. Yeah, 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 and. My, my uh, think about how big boxing was. Yeah, when we were like when we were kids. Oh yeah, and it is essentially MMA's kind of brought that fight world back. But I can't I can't tell you who any champion is in boxing. Right on any class. Yeah, yeah. It's lost. Weight. It's lost a lot. Of, I, I, you know, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't miss have, it. I miss it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Favorite band or musician when you were growing up? Uh, growing up. Uh, or now, either one. Yeah, or, or now. Um, I'm a big Aaron Lewis fan. Uh, Stained. Stained, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been a while. So <laughs> I call them suicide music. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but ACDC was probably like, you know. Oh, yeah. God, they're so good. Kind of aging myself, but yeah. They're, they're, you know. Have you ever seen ACDC live? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <gasps> yeah, yeah. You can't leave that arena under 100 miles per hour. Absolutely. I mean, they don't, like, that's the only, like, I tell people all the time, ACDC is the only band that I can think of that has never even made one ballad. Yeah. It's straight two mm-hmm. hours and 30 minutes of a show. Just hammer down. Hardcore rock and roll. Hammer down. Hammer down. It is, I mean, I love ACDC. Yeah. Man, they're good. We, we went to Metallica <laughs> when they came here recently, Bridgestone. Uh-huh. It, it definitely wasn't the same, but it was good. It just, you know, ACDC just is the... Well, Metallica, they're professionals. Oh, yeah. Man, they yeah. are elite yeah. performers. Now, obviously, they're getting old. Yeah. So yeah, the yeah. voice isn't the same. And, right. 
and the energy's not quite the same. But man, I'm telling you, I went to see Guns Metallica when that 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 1992 arena tour that they did yeah. when they were the two biggest bands on the planet, and they did it with Faith No More, which is also a big band. Yep, I saw them two nights in a row, right wow. out of the, right the first two shows. Wow. And I was the biggest Guns N' Roses fan. Axel was, he was my light. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Metallica kicked their butt all over the stage both nights. Oh, wow. So you could really, that's when I, that I took, I, I didn't realize what I was paying attention to yeah. until somebody asked me these questions in a podcast, is that Metallica took the stage and it was a business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Guns N' Roses took the stage and it was a show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very different. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, Axel and his attitude and his way produced, you know, an an aura. Yeah. But it was very slipshod. They'd miss. They didn't sound as good yeah. as the album. And you know, he ran so much that he was out of breath, and it didn't sound awesome. Metallica was like. Morton's of Chicago. Steak, potato, sure. salad, sure. glass of wine. Pier, you know what you're getting. And they just stood in there, they crushed it, they sounded almost better than they do on a, on their discs yeah. at the time, you know. Yeah. Not digitally not at that point. Yeah. But on the CD, like on yeah. these guys and they just they never miss a beat. They played for three hours, crushed you, yep, and then came out and at Guns N' Roses, they showed up an hour and forty five minutes late. Yeah. That you know they, and you got what you wanted out of it, but you could see that they run a different ship. Sure. So Metallica has been. You could argue that Metallica is one of the ten greatest rock bands of all time, and their longevity is insane. Yeah. Guns and Roses, tumultuous as you can possibly get, but now yeah they are more like Metallica. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went to see them on my birthday, two thousand. 18, they played November 13th at the Bridgestone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I so I at. show 8 p.m. start. I think that's right. 8 p.m. start. Yeah, yeah. So this is the first time I've seen them since 1994. Right. Which means if that ticket said that Guns N' Roses was coming on stage 8, meant they were coming on at 10. Right. <laughs> so I showed up at 840. Yeah. I also thought there was an opening band that there wasn't. There wasn't, yep. I show up, I've missed seven songs. Yeah. I'm like, I wonder what they usually, because I thought I heard, the first song that I heard was Rocket Queen. Yeah. So I'm like, that is so strange when I play Rocket Queen. Yeah. It's not first. Yeah. <laughs> so I walk, get to my seat, and it's the very end of Rocket Queen. And I'm like, man, what a strange opening song. And they, everybody looked around me like, what are you on, dude? <laughs> you, that's not the, that's like the seventh or eighth song. Yeah. I'm like, you're kidding me. Right. This started at 8? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. They were done at 10.30. Yeah, yeah. They played for two and a half hours, killed it, Yeah, and they were done. Yep. And I mean, obviously, they've probably done enough to their body that they can't go much past 10.30 anymore. Yeah, well, and the crowd that's watching them now, like <laughs> us, right? Either, we can't right? do it. We can't do it. I had a buddy in town uh, <laughs> this weekend. And so funny. He's a golf, he's golf buddy of mine, chiropractor. He weaves in town, and man, we were up to like 2 Two o'clock uh, Sunday, so this is Friday night and Saturday night. We were up till two, just chatting and talking. And and Sunday, man, I just crashed. Yeah, like, I slept most of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Catches up. Uh, no kidding. Favorite concert you've ever been to? 
Probably Dave Matthews. Dave Matthews. Yeah, yeah. I was a big Dave fan too. Um, went to a lot of concerts. It was interesting. In, yeah, it was in a, uh, went to quite a few of those concerts. Do you have yeah. a favorite song live? Um, hmm, that's a good question. Uh, probably, I don't know. Uh, I, man, I we I went to um, I did the CMA or the, the CMA awards. And when Timberlake and uh, Stapleton, Chris Stapleton, when they did that, that was probably the biggest. Like I'm sitting there and I go, I can't believe they put them in the middle of this show because anybody after that is they just, can't they get, can't touch it and no. that nobody's nobody's touched it. When they when they performed, I was like, that was unbelievable. That was unreal. Yeah, yeah that was that amazing. was the Chris Stapleton coming out party. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they crushed. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know. I, I teach the guy who manages or and oh, like okay. the producer for Stapleton and all the stuff that he's done. Yeah, right. So he's been one of the greatest songwriters for years in this town. Right, and was not really ever wanting to be on the road and yeah. not really wanting to be a star. He just likes writing songs. But it got to the point where it was so obvious yeah. to the people around him mm-hmm. that he was so much better than they were yeah. that they kept encouraging him to, you've got to do this, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just, I, I really respect the heck out of Chris Stapleton. He's really good. Yeah. He's old school country. Right. And that's not really my gig. I'm not an old school. Yeah. Like George Strait doesn't move my needle really? at yeah. all. George Jones doesn't move my needle I mean, literally, that's the kind of stuff that kind of makes me start trembling a little bit. <laughs> I'm more of a Kenny Chesney. I'm like that beach country. I like that Zach yeah. Brown, Kenny Chesney, Jake Owen yeah, yeah. vibe. Yeah, Jen and I, I mean, so we've been together 27 years. I mean, we started dating when she was 14. And wow. We've been married now for 20 years. And um, early on, when we first started dating, we we did a bunch of ton of like country concert concerts. Uh-huh. She was listening to more like R&B when we first met. Uh-huh. And I was listening to basically just country and um, a lot of ACDC and stuff mm-hmm. like that. She's never been a big like rock, rock and yeah. metal. Um, like my workouts used to be the hardest. You know, <laughs> yeah. she's like, "Why do you listen to that?" But during my workouts, it would you know. Push I need me. all the help I can get. Honey. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> as you can see. But um, we did a ton of country concerts. Um, you know, we that was you know that's where we spent our money when we were kids. Yeah, you know, and we we worked you know all the way from time we were able to push a lawnmower. But um, that's where we would our date would be uh, country cool. concerts so. favorite movie oh gosh man um i'm just awful with names but uh i mean i guess what popped in my head was pursuit of happiness uh i thought that was kind of a, wow. a good a good movie um you know just from where he came from yeah and you know you were talking about like you know not having a lot of money growing up we jenny and i you know when you sit her down wait till you hear her story and where she you know she kind of came from so Mm. um, both of us didn't kind of came from that background of not having much and um, just push persevere through it yeah so that's that's really cool stuff yeah like to me when people ask me that question i i have bounced around three movies yeah and it all just depends what kind of mood i'm in actually four movies yeah if i'm thinking like pure meat and potatoes Gladiator might be the best movie I've ever That's seen. That's fantastic, yeah. 300 is another one. I've never seen 300, but I heard it's really good. Really good, yeah. I just have to be in for that kind of violence. Yeah, yeah, got, you're right. i got to be in for that kind of violence. I've kind of stepped out of that world. Um, Forrest Gump has yep. another, like, uh, the, you couldn't be any further apart right. than what it does to your, <laughs> your emotional yeah. tug strings, you know? Like, both of them are kind of bring you up and down. Yeah. 
For I thought Forrest Gump was as, as good of a movie as I've ever seen. Yeah. What a great story to tell. Absolutely. That was a great story. Um, Jenna. Jenna. Wedding Crashers. If I need a good laugh. Yep. I'm li- like that. The first 30 minutes of Wedding Crashers. Yeah. I mean, it bring. I mean, I have to hit pause a couple of times. I'm yeah. laughing so hard. Yeah. I want to mix the, miss the next lines. I just have to get all that. Yeah. Man, that movie kills me something. Yeah, I just love that movie. And then um, there's that movie with Robin Williams and Matt Damon where he's the psychologist. I can't. I yeah. Can't, uh, can't, poet, dead Poet Society. No, not Dead Poet no. Society. It was. Um, I know what you're talking about. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Another good one. Wow. I love that movie. Now, once again, a lot of these movies are have a lot of mental, you know, yep. mental strength and mental pieces to it. I thought that they did a great job in that movie, kind of yeah. tugging at your heartstrings. Of, of they did a great job there. So those are my. I have a hard time ask answering those questions. But I yeah, love, same. Like as you were talking, Tombstone came to mind. God, there's another you know, great movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tombstone. Yeah, like one of the Christmas movies that we would always watch would be Four Christmases because, like Jenny and I, you know when we were back in chiropractic college and then we went down to Florida and started training, um, we would tell our family cause we, we, we got tired of traveling. We were well, we're going here, we're going there. <laughs> so four Christmases is very similar to us in terms of, cause you know, my mom and dad were divorced. So we would have to go to different households and we're uh-huh. like, nah, we're going to, we're going somewhere else. So, <laughs> so true. Well, final question. Yep. You get to play golf one last time. Mm-hmm. You get to take three people with you, dead or alive. What golf course are you playing, and who are you taking with you? Um, well, most recently, Tiger, that new course that he did in Missouri. Oh, yeah. That place looks super Big cool. Big Cedar Rapids. Yeah. yeah, that place looks super cool. Um, my uncle, that was my god. Uh, Godfather, mm-hmm. uh, he was a big golfer, and I think he, I think he would be thrilled to see now that I'm playing golf um, because he was a really good golfer. He's mm-hmm. shorter than me, so that's short. Um, <laughs> my 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 father and probably my my granddad. Yeah, awesome. Those would be the three. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to go to that place in Missouri, man. There's some really good golf out there. Yeah, and it's open to the public, right? Yeah, and I really think that Tiger does great architectural work. Yeah, I, I think he has great. He has an insane vision mm-hmm. in his mind, both as the player and in a designer. Like what he would feel would make it enticing to the brain. Yeah. I think he's really good at it. Yeah. I think, you know, Greg Norman might be, he was my all time favorite player. Yeah. He might be the worst golf course architect that I've ever seen. Uh huh. His golf courses are like, what were you thinking? Yeah. Jack Nicholas started awesome. Yep. has gotten progressively, in my opinion, worse. Mm-hmm. Weisskopf makes good golf courses. Gary Player, not very good. Arnold mm-hmm. Palmer, not very good. Mm-hmm. Very strange that those, like, there are some people that I just don't think they make good golf courses. Arnold yeah. Palmer, I have not played a golf course that the King made that made me feel like that was awesome. Mm-hmm. So I love golf course architecture. I'm a big, I love architecture itself. I don't yeah. understand much about it, right. but it's like, I know what looks good in a house or in a building. Or in a structure, I know it looks good on a golf course. Yeah, I don't know why. Have you sat down and like <clears throat> when I when when I before I we started our practice, I literally sat down and drew out our practice, like the internal walls and everything. Mm-hmm. Just drew it out. What I envisioned. Have you ever done that? Ever sat down and done and that? golf courses? Yeah. Like I had. <laughs> this is such a funny story. So let's just say that I wasn't overly excited about being in Spanish class. Mm-hmm. Let's just throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> so my Spanish notebook 
is like 370 pages of golf course designs. Oh, fantastic. Virgil's such an amazing note taker. He is grinding. <laughs> and then they come over and you're like, what's that? Yeah. So this is the ninth golf course I'm going to design. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> so I have, I, they're all gone now. Yeah. But I love, I love golf course architecture. Yeah. Because there's a difference between, like if you've been to Sweetens Cove. No. Down in South Pittsburgh. No. So it's the number one nine hole golf course in the world. Oh, wow. And it is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's it's deceptive. It's not very long. Yeah. So both par fives are reachable in two. Wow. All but one par four is just a driver and a short pitch. Yeah. And one really hard par four. And then the par threes are pretty short. Yeah. But the green complexes are like yeah. moonscapes. Yeah, yeah. And you can you have to know where to hit the ball. Uh-huh. So you can hit it close to the hole about three different ways. You could take it right at it. You could play it off this bank, or you could play it off this bank. Yeah. But if you miss it, you're not making par. Yeah. Are you clear about that? And, then, <laughs> and to me, that's what I love. It's like that golf course is for in the all of humanity. You don't have to hit it far yeah. to play it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. He's done such a great job that if, let's say, there's three beginners and a really good player, and that, those beginners can only top the golf ball. Right. That people can top the golf ball and play really pretty good golf there because yeah. it's kept firm and fast. Mm-hmm. And there are runways for the entire golf hole to be played where you can miss all the bunkers and it'll roll up on some slopes and run back down on the green. So it's spectacularly designed so that the elite player can score a really low score, mm-hmm. but he could also shoot way higher yeah. than he was anticipating because of the, the slopes. Yeah, But yet... You know, Martha Lou and little Johnny, who've yeah. not played much golf, can just kind of slap it around and play better than they've ever played because the golf course allows them runways. Yeah. So that as long as obviously they have to understand why it's there. Right. But if you're like, okay, honey, here's what you got to do. You just want to play it yeah. over here to the left. See all those, that big mounding? That ball's going to run off that mounding. It's going to make it all the way down to that that hole. I know you can't believe it, but just, just yeah. hit your five wood and just yeah. play it. Yeah, yeah. Dean runs up there and takes the slope and rolls all the way down to the hole. That's the coolest thing to me. It's like, instead of just making it obvious, put water here, put a bunker there, put the green there. Yeah. And there's plenty of that. Yeah. It's like, they've gone, they started with a high handicapper. What can we do to make the ball funnel to? Yep. Let's create some funnels. Yeah, that's cool. And now let's bunker it. Yeah. And, add, and so they did it backward. Okay. And I've found that Thinking about what you want to have as your end result before you start, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that is a critical piece in achieving your dreams. Yeah, yeah. If you can't see it, yeah, you can't achieve it. You visualize it. You got to be able to visualize. Yep. It's the first. The star starts in the mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that was a that's kind of course. I feel like I, I need to play on a lot of. <laughs> yeah, and I would tell you, you go there and you would not be disappointed. Yeah, it is one of the most. It is in the golf, like cult golf world. Mm-hmm. It is the it's the number one place to go for cult like atmosphere. Yeah, I mean people travel all over the world to come to play Sweetens Cove to come to South Pittsburgh for crying out loud. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't think. I mean, you feel like you're driving through meth labs. Yeah. To get there, <laughs> I mean it's it's yeah, in the it's sticks, yeah. and you get there, and next thing you know, you're like, whoa. Yeah. A little bit of heaven here. 
Well, I know I've been playing long, but I've I've been blessed to play at some pretty cool places. Lake Nona was one of them. That's what got me addicted. Yeah. Um, my buddy, he's on that course. Um, he's the one that got me. He's the one that came up last weekend. Then, of mm. course, I played in Cabo a handful of times. Yeah. And it's playing on that coast, <sighs> ocean, just – there's something about Cabo. Cabo is a special place. It man. is. It really is. We it is it. a. There's something about that. It it it, it fills you up. It really. It's yeah. a cleansing place. Yep. yep. Cabo San Lucas is an amazing nothing place. Like, nothing like sand between the toes and some sun. You got that right. <laughs> well, Jason, I can't thank you enough for taking the yeah. time out of your schedule to come on the Verge and tell us your story. Yeah. How can my listeners get in touch with your facility to get started on a wellness program? Mm-hmm. to take their life to the best version of themselves in 2021. Yeah, best way, just look up Kastner Health and Wellness. Uh, we go by at thekastners.com is the best way to get a hold of us. Um, you know, uh, our website, obviously, is at thekastners.com. Uh-huh. So, yeah, perfect. Get a hold of well, thank you very much for coming hey, on. Hey, man, buddy. thanks that for having awesome. us. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you, or check out their website, www.curemich.com. Cure, cannabis used for research and education. On the Verge is produced by Chase Akers. If you've enjoyed the show, leave a five-star rating and write a review. Click subscribe to make sure that you don't miss a single episode.